Well, it's, a, it's just a privilege to be here with you all. I am thankful for the opportunity to be here. I got to spend some time with some EV3 people in Blount County a few years ago, and I prayed with them every week. And one of the things I know about EV3 folks is you guys know how to pray. And prayer is my heart because the Bible says when we work, we work. The Bible doesn't say that. But you can understand that when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. Oswald Chambers in his little book, My Utmost for His Highest, one of the things in there, he said that prayer does not equip us for the great work. It is the great work. And I firmly believe that. And one of the things, I've been here in Anderson County for about four months, and I uh, am a graduate of the University of Tennessee, went to Halls High School. So if any of you guys went to Oak Ridge, sorry, we probably yelled at each other way back when. Uh, but, uh, you know, life changes and we kind of go from there. I'm actually working on a doctor of ministry right now at New Orleans Seminary in strategic leadership. I want you to open your Bible to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to look at one verse and uh, we are, we're going to take a test today. And you're thinking, wait a minute, we don't even know who you are. You can't give us a test. Well, yes, I can. It's up to you what you do with it. So it's not a pass-fail. It is fully up to you. It's an open book test. You can do what you want to with that. I was excited when uh, Brother Bill sent me an email not long after asking me to come and fill in and saying that you guys have a pastor now. That is wonderful. So kind of what uh, that I want to do with that is I want us to test ourselves and I want us to examine ourselves, but I want us to examine our church as well. Examine your church as you prepare for a new pastor that's coming. I, my name is Keith Pierce. I am the director of missions for the Clinton Baptist Association. Every county, the Southern Baptist, has an association where uh, Southern Baptist churches can choose to unite together and to become a part of an association. All the churches are autonomous. So when Brother Bill said, I run that, I really don't. Uh, I'm, I'm actually there, and uh, I, uh, what I tell these guys is I am here to serve. And, uh, you know, sometimes people will say it like a pastor to pastors, and I look at it more like I'm an equipment manager, that I'm here to try to help with the best resources possible. Second Baptist Church is my home church, the one that I belong to, but when I joined that church, Pastor Mike knows what I do because I'm in a different church. Probably every week he introduced my wife and I as absentee members. So, so he understands that, and he is a man of God and just a great man, and I can assure you that he's praying for you all and that we will be praying for you all as well. And, uh, you know, EV Free and Baptist are pretty much the same thing as far as I'm concerned. So anything you guys need, we're here for you as well. You don't have to be a part of the association, but if you need resources, um, statistics or any of that kind of stuff, then we can help you with that. Now, with that being said, I want us to read uh, in Second Corinthians chapter five and verse, or chapter thirteen and verse five. And here's what the Apostle Paul said: he "said Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you're disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not." disqualified you know I kind of want to give you a little background with that with myself 
And uh, I, uh, I did not grow up in church. Many of you probably had the privilege of growing up in church. My exposure to church was a little Methodist chapel. My dad was a builder, so we moved around, but pretty much stayed within the Halls District. But my grandmother and uh, my two aunts were part of a little Methodist chapel on the Knox and Union County line, just inside Union County on Highway 33. There is a small Methodist chapel there called Hansard's Chapel, and my grandmother was the treasurer there. My aunt played the organ, and uh, my papa basically slept on the back row of the church. So it was kind of the uh, what happened with them. But when we would go to church, that's where we went to church. Now, uh, I remember, you know, people say, what do you remember about church growing up? Well, I remember homecomings, you know, fried chicken, banana pudding, Kool-Aid, those kind of things. But... Uh, I remember that my brother and sister are five and six years older than me, and he was driving, and they, they had gone to a little Baptist church not far from there and had gotten saved in a vacation Bible school. They were baptized. I started wanting what they had, and I can remember them uh, taking me, and you know, finally we went to another church. It was a youth revival, and as we went to the other church, uh, I can remember my brother, after the service was over, bringing me down to the front and telling the pastor he needs to get saved. <laughs> so, uh, so you guys, I'm glad you laughed at that because you're going you're gonna to enjoy where this is going then because uh, we went through and I got up and they declared me saved. So I went away from there. We went back to the little church where my brother and sister were going and went into the, uh, uh, the Sunday school class my dad, he, he was not, uh, when I was growing up, my dad literally was, in, was a drunk. And he, he, he was a working drunk, so he provided for the family well. But he had a lot of issues, and he had grown up in church, but was not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So uh, he would not allow me to get baptized. So the little church gave me, and I still have it in my desk, they gave me a little Gideon New Testament, and in the front of that it said, Keith Pierce, 1972, half Christian. <laughs> oh. All right. So not long after that, my brother and sister stopped going to church. I don't know where the half Christian came from, honestly. I think maybe because they wouldn't let me get baptized and I had declared a faith but I want you to know there is no such thing as a half-Christian. Those of you who laughed at that knew that, but those of you who didn't laugh, just to be sure to let you know that you're either all in or you're not, okay? So uh, not long after that, my brother stopped going to church, and he was the way that I had to drive, so we were out of church. So that's nine years old. Fast forward to I'm 12 years old. My dad... You know how the Methodist church moved pastors around? There was a younger pastor who came in, which was odd, because most of the time these were older pastors who uh, were very soft-spoken because it was a very small church of maybe about 20 people. So it was used to those. They got a younger pastor, and my dad actually liked him and was doing some work on the church and decided that he wanted to join the church. So... Uh, he declared, we're joining the church and you're joining it with me. Okay, 12 years old. They take me up to Big Ridge State Park and I was baptized by immersion as a Methodist. All right, 
So not long after that, my dad got mad at the church and he quit going to church again. So here I am again uh, outside and uh, I'm a baptized by immersion Methodist half Christian. <laughs> so uh, fast forward about four years and my best friend, when we're 16 years old, we're driving and his dad went to a church. Well, his family went to a church. His dad was a preacher, but not the pastor. So they invited me to a Baptist church and said, Hey, our church is having a revival. Come and go to church with us. I'm 16 years old. I'm a baptized by immersion, half-Christian Methodist. What do I care about church? So, and I told him, Why do I want to go to church? He said, There's some pretty girls there. I said, What time are we leaving? So I went with him. And I got into the church service, and this church was packed. I'd never been to a church that was full, and all the youth would sit down front. So they were all sitting down front, and I remember going down there, and the preaching that I had been used to was the very soft-spoken Methodist preachers that were, you know, most of them 70, 80 years old. And all of a sudden, when the preacher got up to preach, uh, you'll find this, and we have them in our association, some good old boys, I love them, but uh, if you go up into Bryceville and you don't preach this way, uh, they're not, you're, you're not considered called of God. <laughs> but I disagree. That's a joke as well. But these are what I call hacking preachers. And I had never seen that before. But this, uh, this old boy got up and he was preaching. His face turned red. He took his towel. He took his jacket. I thought seriously that he was going to have a heart attack and die. And literally, I thought, man, what is wrong with this man? You know? And everybody's saying, amen, preacher. And I'm like, what? You know, there must be something to that. So I started listening to what he had to say. And he started preaching about when Jesus comes back, you're either going to heaven or hell. And I'm like, uh-oh. Jesus comes back, I know where I'm going. I can be a baptized by immersion Methodist half-Christian, and that ain't going to do me a bit of good, because when Jesus comes back, what's going to matter is whether I've really given him my life or not. And I got under conviction, and I gave my life to Jesus that night, was baptized later by immersion as a Baptist, which none of that really mattered. But the point being that by the time I met Jesus, I had been in some messed up places. You know, that you're half Christian. You are a baptized by immersion Methodist half Christian. Nobody ever asked me, hey, do you know if you die today, are you going to heaven? You know, and that's the bottom line. And I'll ask you that question, and it's part of the exam that I'm going to give you personally, is when you die, will you go to heaven? And you can say, well, I think I will. You know, well, or you can say, I hope I will, or I might. The Bible says, examine yourself, test yourself, whether you be in the faith or not. And by the way, there's a Bible verse in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. Not think, not hope. So that question is on your test today. Do you know when you die, are you going to heaven? If your answer is, I don't know, then today is the day of your salvation and it needs to be settled before you go out away from here. You can say, I'm young. i got all kinds of time. You don't know. You know, you have no idea. 
You know, this is a dangerous world that we live in. There's all kinds of things that take place. So that question is the first question. The second one is, is your church ready for your new pastor? Are you the kind of church that a pastor is going to come in and be like, man, this is a blessing. This is a great, great group of people. To be able to find that out and to be able to determine that, as he said here, he said, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you know that we are not disqualified. So to examine where your church is, then I believe that you have to look first at examining your history. Examine your history. By the way, my life of misery went and extended beyond that. My dad had a few businesses, so when I was growing up, I didn't do what I needed to in high school, and I kind of skated through that. And the, my senior year, my dad wound up getting hurt and lost all of his businesses, and I wound up having to like, okay, now what am I going to do? Because I thought I'd just go to work for him. And what I literally did was a bunch of my friends were going to Tennessee Tech to be engineers. And I said, why are you going to be engineers? And I honestly thought with an engineer, that just meant the guy that drove the train. <laughs> oh, you know, I realize being Oak Ridge, a lot of you guys are probably Oak engineers or have been around a lot of them, but they were like, well, engineers make a lot of money. I'm like, okay, let's do it. The only problem with that is I didn't really study in school, and when I got out there, I had to, it was, it was a task uh, going through school, but about a year into that, God called me into the ministry, and I knew that God called me, so I moved back from Cookville, came back to to the University of Tennessee because it's where my home church was and I tried to stay in engineering for a little while didn't work and I changed over my major actually to religious studies and at a state-run university I am very theologically conservative but in a state-run university if you're taking any kind of religion it's going to be very liberal so it was a big challenge for me to be able to do that but I had gotten grounded because I spent three years reading the Bible and praying and getting grounded in that so it was a blessing but at the same time I uh you know some of you guys graduate early from high school and I realized since we're in Oak Ridge we're probably around some of the smartest people around right here in this room today and so you know test for you or nothing but I was not the person who graduated early. I got my money's worth because it took me eight years to get a bachelor's degree. So I was on the extended plan. Some of you guys may have graduated summa cum laude or magna cum laude. I graduated laude laude. Get him out of here. So, and so I graduated, and one of the things with that was, uh, you know, I didn't do real well in college when I got in seminary. I blew that by like nothing because it was something I was passionate about, you know, and it was phenomenal. And one of the things about it, at the University of Tennessee back then, and I don't know if any of you guys were in back then, but one of the weed-out classes at the University of Tennessee was history. And, uh, you know, I took that, and I remember taking it and absolutely hating history. But when I got in seminary and took history again, I absolutely loved it because it looked at it from a biblical perspective, and I understood that history simply means his story. So the first part of the test for the church today 
here at Faith Bible Church is to look at your history, to look at your history. Where did you come from? Why were you placed here? Somehow or another, it was in the heart of some people at some point to begin a church here. It may have begun as a Bible study. It may have begun at a home. Many of you know that history like the, the, you know it very well. But why did we start? You know, one of the things I know about evangelical free people and the group that I spent time with in Blount County, that actually became a, an evangelical free church. I forgot the name of it. I think you guys are probably associated with it. But prayer, a lot of times, leads to a church or a ministry or missions. So when you look at that, where did we come from? Somebody in your heart is like, you know, we need a church in Oak Ridge. We need a church over there because there is lostness in that community and we need a sacred symbol, a representation of the power and the gospel of Jesus Christ in that community. So let's put a church there. So when you see that, where did you come from? It started with prayer. The prayer led to evangelism, to telling other people, we're starting a church, come and be a part of this. Give your life to Jesus so that you can understand what it's involved. Who was involved? And you look at your history. The church was involved. The Bible was involved. And that's one of the other things that I absolutely love about the evangelical free church is the, uh, the importance of the doctrine of the Bible. We have the Bible more available today than it has ever been in the history of man. Right now, on my phone, I've got in probably almost any language, I can click on my Uversion app and I can read the Bible. I can read the King James, the New King James, the NIV, New American Standard, Holman Christian, ESV. All of it is right there. We have Bibles in our homes, in our offices. We have Bibles everywhere, yet this is the most biblically illiterate culture that we have ever had. And that's sad. Brother, when you mentioned the Reformation, think about these men that died so that we could get the Bible in our language. Wow. You know, and, and we treat it just like, ah, it's just boring. Really? You know, this is the Word of God. The church, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, but also people. These were what was involved in where you came from. So examine your past. Examine your history. Why was this church put here? Why was this church set here on this, in this community in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, in Anderson County? Why is it here? Examine your history, but then examine your present. Where are we now? Are we fulfilling what we were created, what we were put here to do? Is the church fulfilling the mission? And, and by the way, you know, things change. God never changes, the Bible never changes, but methods change. Right? If you don't believe me, get rid of your microwave. Throw your washing machine out the door. You know, sell your refrigerator. You know, all of those things that we use different methods, but at the same time, we still have the same church, the same Bible, the same Holy Spirit. And when we look at the... The message, the message never ever changes, but the method, you got a different culture in Oak Ridge than you had when this, what year was this church started? You know, somebody knows, I'm sure. It, let's say 1890, so well over 100. <laughs> so a long time. Do you think Anderson County looks like it did 50 years ago? 
No. You've got a very international place here. One of the things interesting about Anderson County is if you go from one end to the other, you can start in Oak Ridge and you have all kinds of people with PhDs from all over the world and you can go from there up into Bryceville and you've got Appalachia. So it's a very diverse place that you look here and understand where are we now, why are we here, and what are we doing? Are you reaching the people that are here in this community? As I told you, I'm part of the, the, uh, the, the, the Clinton Baptist Association, and we want to see every church succeed, every church that is like-minded, and that's regardless of denomination. You know, there's some that are more cult-like that, no, that's not the same, but when I'm talking about our churches, we want to see this church prosper. One of our churches in our association is right across the hill over here, Robertsville Baptist Church. They're in our association. You know what? There's enough folks around here that could fill up every one of these churches and more. There are 78,000 people in Anderson County. and We did this in Blount County once years ago. We went and studied the seating capacity of every church building, and it came out to 21,000 people, and those churches were not full. This was in the year 2000. That's 130,000 people. None of our churches here in Anderson County are full. So what are we doing to reach people? You know, now, examine our future. You know, three, three parts of the test. Examine our past, our history. Two, examine our present. Where are we now? What are we, what are we doing? And then the third, examine our future. How are we going? Where are we going? How will we get there? Who is going with us? And what are we going to do when we get there? See, all of those are very important. Discipleship is very important to me, as you can understand, because of the way that I came up. You know, I, I am a full-fledged, 100% saved to the uttermost, born-again, blood-bought Christian now. Okay? I don't have to have anybody tell me, well, you're a half-Christian. And it doesn't have to do with the fact that I am a pastor or that I've uh, read the Bible or any of that, it has to do with the fact that when I was 16 years old, I got on my knees and gave my life to Jesus Christ, and He changed me and gave me a new life and let me become a new creation. But that's my past. My future is what is happening right now. What am I doing for the Lord? This coming year in 2020, we'll be doing several mission trips. If you guys want to get involved with us, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, we work, I've been, I think, in 17 different countries and done ministry in about 10 of those, but we work with every denomination that there is, and we do everything that we can to make sure that the gospel's out there. But Faith Bible, what are you going to do? Can I, can I tell you this? And I'm going to come to a close in just a moment. There is nobody in this church that has arrived. Okay? I've been in churches where people thought they had arrived, all right? Now, what that literally means is I know it all, I'm good. You know, this is a saying, I came back here from Atlanta, and even in Atlanta people didn't understand this, but I think some of you guys might. When you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you rot. We should always be learning. We should always be learning more and more and more. You know, that's sanctification. That's that process 
of learning more to be who we already are based on what Jesus did for us when He gave us a new life that we in the past were saved, justification. In the present, we are being saved, sanctification. In the future, we will be saved, glorification. That we get a new body like Jesus and have the privilege of heaven and all the blessings that go along with that. So, first question that I ask you, when you die, are you going to heaven? I want you to think of that personally. Then I want you to think. And you can, when I ask this question, is our church the kind of church that a pastor is going to be proud of? I think you are. Honestly, I, just what little bit I've known about you, I think that this is going to be a place that your pastor is going to have a very fruitful ministry. But is there room for improvement? Always. No matter who we are, we can always get better. So I want to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to pray with me. And I want you to think about this for the first part. I'm going to turn it over to Brother Bill in just a moment. But I want you to think that first question. Do you know when you die, are you going to heaven? God's plan is for everyone to go to heaven. Our problem is we're sinners and we can't get there on our own. Jesus solved that problem by going to the cross and dying in our place. And the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that that is a gift, the gift of, et of eternal life. That gift has to be received by faith that you believe, that you look back on what Jesus did was enough on the cross. And it has to be received by repentance. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction that takes place simultaneously. You stop moving away from God and you start moving toward God. And you know the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So right where you're at, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you don't know Jesus, would you just say this prayer right where you're at, right in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. I ask you to come into my heart and save me. Thank you for dying for me. Help me to live for you. I'm giving you my past, my present, and my future. Nobody's looking around, heads bowed. In just a few moments, they'll have a time of invitation. The Bible says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And God knows your heart. Don't go away from here without Jesus, okay? Make sure you let some of your leadership or somebody know, you know what, today, I'm signing it all over to Jesus. I'm all in. And then I want you to look at this. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Everyone that's here. How can you prepare yourself for a pastor? You've called a man of God. Your men and your leadership have done an excellent job in calling and bringing someone that will be here. You've, you've lived through a nightmare of a pastor who, who you loved, who you cared about, uh, and, you know, went through everything he went through and is now at home in glory with Jesus. That's part of the past. It's a part of the history that you celebrate, just like our brother did when he talked about the Reformation song. But now it's time to look ahead. Are you ready? Are you ready to get busy? You're not calling a pastor to do all the work. You're calling a pastor to get alongside of you. So when your pastor comes, you need to be that person to, to be there. He, he's, I'm sure he's the man, Ephesians 4.12, for the equipping of the saints, for the edifying, 
That's why he's going to be here. He's going to be here to help you learn how to be the ministers that God's called you to be. But you need to be here to lift up his hands and bless his family. So would you pray? And let's pray right now. God, thank you that you have gifted this church here with great men of God through the years who have stood faithfully and proclaimed your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the excitement that the new pastor will soon be here. Lord, we pray that you would bless him and his wife in their transition and pray that you would protect them. And God, I pray for every member of this church here today, Lord, that they would be in preparation, not just for a new pastor to come in and say, oh, I can rest now, but for a new pastor to come in and say, we have a fellow laborer that we can touch and be the hands and feet of Jesus to this community here in Oak Ridge, Tennessee and around the world. Lord, just prepare our hearts. Help us to follow you. Thank you for this sweet time of fellowship today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.